the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cash Landing. Uh, I am, I as always, am your host Ben, uh, joined by my esteemed co-host Aaron. This is the show where we fall ass backwards into the money and you get rich richer just by listening. Aaron, how are we doing? How are we doing tonight? We're recording this on Tuesday night. How are I'm you? doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Looks like a good night for both of our teams. Dimebacks doing a good job getting the win to avoid um, getting a good Vanderbilt pitcher in the draft. Yeah, the that's, so that's tragic, dude. Astros are uh, avoiding disaster against the Mariners. All seems to be well. Jamal Murray just torched the Lakers, so I'm pretty happy about that. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready to talk about a lot of sports here on this uh, this podcast today. Yeah, so real quick, I'm going to run down the little the docket for you guys. Uh, we're going to start today by going over uh, the baseball playoff picture, just sort of on a, on a macro level. We're going to go over the playoff picture first, talk about you know things we like, things we don't like, what we want to see. Then we're going to go into this absolutely massive daily fantasy slate that we have for baseball on Wednesday. Um, I play a lot of daily fantasy baseball. I think that's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, we got a lot of you know value plays, a lot of guys you can't miss out on. After that, we're going to go ahead and switch over to football. Uh, we talked a lot of football last week. We're going to recap all of our bets from last week, talk about how we did. Uh, I'll spoil it. We did okay. <laughs> we did pretty well, I would say. Then uh, for your season-long fantasy leagues, we're going to go into a little wa- waiver wire segment, talk about people you should pick up, people you should be keeping an eye out for, and then we're going to talk about some futures that we have our eye on. So we got a just a, a chock-full show today. We got a lot to talk about. Action-packed. I'm ready to hop right into it. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Absolutely. So baseball, I'll, baseball. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and you know just, just take it from here. All right, Ben. Well... We're looking at the playoff picture. The American League, um, we pretty much know who's going to be in the playoffs. We know the eight teams that are set. The National League, it's definitely still up in the air. We've got a lot of teams still jockeying for spots. But, um, you know, we know we have some Astros fans listening to the podcast. You're a big Astros guy. I'm going to ask you, who do you want the Astros to play in the playoffs? Or is there a team you're really just looking to avoid? What are you thinking? You know, we're a week out from the playoffs starting now. So, the... I think the best possible matchup for the Astros might be the Twins, but it looks like it's going to be the Athletics, and that is honestly okay. I think the Athletics might be the worst great team, if that makes any sense. They, I'm not, outside of Lazardo, I'm not particularly scared of any of those starters. Chris Bassett has been pretty good against the Astros this year, but, you know, he's been on and off. He got shelled in one of those appearances. The Astros are certainly comfortable in Oakland in their stadium. I mean, they've been there for so long or I'm sorry these are going to be played at the neutral side aren't they no yeah the first round wildcard matchups will be played in the home stadium of the higher seed then after that they'll move to the neutral sites that, that, that's what I thought that's why I, I wrote that down so they're, they're comfortable in Oakland I mean I would probably call Oakland the favorites but I think that this year especially 60 games is not a large enough sample size to really tell you know what team is is the odds on favorite. I think that it's all about roster construction, maybe a gut feeling and whatever starters can get you deep in games. And uh, if it's going to be, you know, from Valdez against Chris Bassett game two, I kind of like that for the Astros, to be honest. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like what teams will have the luxury of setting up their pitching rotation to exactly how they want it to be. You know, from a non Astros fan perspective, like myself, even though I am, I have watched, you know, I'd say probably 50 of the Astros games this year. 
so I'm very familiar with the team. Really, that many? I feel like I have. You've you've just suckered me in, and I <laughs> obviously am not missing a Zach Greinke start. So yeah, that's I. I just don't think the Astros are a team that I would want to play if I was a different American League team. I know the offense has just been painful to watch. I know the bullpen has had its ups and downs, but you can roll out Granky Valdez, McCullers, you know, with Urquidy in a one-two-three or a one-two-three-four. I think the bullpen. Some guys have you know come out and established themselves. I know Presley's been better lately, and just the offense. All the guys have been there before. Then you've got Kyle Tucker, you know, try to try to burst onto the scene in front of the national audience. It's just not a team I would want to play. Uh, you've got jotted down here. You talked about the athletics. I think they could take the athletics. I think it'll be a good series regardless. Obviously, three game series, anything can happen. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like you you guys have a pretty good shot overall. I I gotta say the one team. I mean, I don't want to run into Cleveland. Uh, just Bieber and Plesac just seems like a buzzsaw. This offense is so dead. I mean, both those guys might go eight innings and just the offense gets nothing going, and then you're going home. There could be no uh, you know, runs scored in that series based on what I've seen from the Indians and the Astros offense this year. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it'll just be a Jose Ramirez solo shot and in both games, and then, then the Indians advance. Speaking of Jose Ramirez, I just want to talk about this real quick. I mean, he might be the MVP, and I did not see that coming at all. No, he looked like he slimmed down a lot this year. Um, the two main guys for MVP, uh, Luke Voigt, Jose Ramirez, they both look like they got a lot skinnier. I guess yeah. uh, they did a good job during quarantine, taking things seriously, not watching too much Netflix. But yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez had a big breakout year. He was a stud three years ago. Then he kind of let a bunch of people down, and now he seems to be back. Yeah, but uh, anyway, you know, none of these other AL teams, I mean, the Rays scare me, but it, it doesn't look like there's any world in which they play the Rays. There's just, it's going to be Oakland or maybe Minnesota or something. And, and I think it's going to be Oakland. And, and I, I sort of think that's just going to be a great series in which, you know, there are maybe even three close games there. Yeah, certainly something to monitor over the next week. Uh, next team I want to talk about, it's the Dodgers. Certainly my least favorite team. I know it might be your least favorite team as well. We hate yeah, the Dodgers. They're definitely, not, they're definitely not my least favorite team, but they're, I'm not a fan of the Dodgers for sure. Absolutely my least favorite team. You know, the Dimebacks rarely make the playoffs, so when the Dimebacks do miss the playoffs, my attention immediately turns to rooting against the Dodgers. So at least that has been working <laughs> out well for that's been working out for me in previous years. So I want to pose the question, what team do we think has the best shot out of all the possible teams the Dodgers could realistically play? Um, what team are we kind of keen in on to send the Dodgers home again and just have Kershaw looking disappointed in the dugout for another year? <laughs> for another year. That that picture is so good. I love that picture so much of just him, you know, elbows on his knees, sitting on the bench on the dugout. Just completely dejected, just shoulders slumped forward. <laughs> <laughs> that I think the answer, I mean, we both agree on this. I know we both agree on this already. It's It's the Cincinnati Reds. We've been high on the Reds all year, and they really sort of haven't backed us up on that until recently. And it's just the three starters and the offense. I mean, that that's what it was at the beginning of the year. That's what it is now. There's certainly a chance that, you know, the, the suddenly very hot Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray just go out and shut down that lineup for two games, and, and there you go. Yeah, I am. I really want it to be Reds versus Dodgers round one. Um Luis Castillo has been underperforming all year, but his last four starts, he's given up two runs, one run, zero runs, and one run. 
Uh, Sonny Gray pitched tonight. Uh, it was his first start or second start back from injury. He looked really healthy. He pitched well. Uh, Drone Boy, top three Cy Young candidate. That is just not a one, two, three you want to see if you're the Dodgers. The bullpen really struggled early in the year for the Reds, but now Amir Garrett is really turning it around. Iglesias looks good. Uh, Archie Bradley has been a good acquisition. I just think the Reds are like the perfect type of team to upset the Dodgers in this three-game format. Can you imagine one run lead in game two? They, you know, they used Amir Garrett and Rysel to win game one. You got Luis Castillo coming in in the eighth inning on the on the Sunny Gray start in game two. Like, oh man, you think they would do that? I don't think they'd do it, but I, I, I want, I would love to see Luis Castillo out of the bullpen throwing one hundred and three. Maybe if they won game one and they're if. Are you saying in that scenario they won game yeah. one and they're trying to I'm close saying, out the series? I'm, I'm saying two? they won game one. They used both of their high leverage guys for like you know 25 plus pitches in in game one. They oh, just yeah. come out in game two, push all their chips on the table. They go, all right, you know, we're, we'll roll out Desclafani in in game three if we have to. Can't you just see Nick Castellanos just hitting one of those absolute nukes off playoff Kershaw? That just <laughs> seemingly every year there's that guy that's just going to snap Kershaw's neck in the playoffs if he hits the ball so hard <laughs> off of him. I just I feel like it's Luis Castillo, or I know I feel like it's Nick Castellanos. I could see it. I could see it coming. I really want it to be Reds versus Dodgers, and I'm going to be the world's biggest Reds fan for you know that three day span. Oh man, that is so funny. <laughs> just snap his neck as. Is- as Castellanos hits that opposite field home run in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I mean the other possible teams for them to play are, I guess, like the Phillies and the Phillies and the Marlins. You have, yeah, the Phillies bullpen against the Dodgers offense. It, it's that just is not going to work. Absolutely I mean, not. Nola and Wheeler can both go seven innings, and they would still lose that game just on the back of their bullpen. Yeah, probably by like uh, ten runs. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't even want to think about you know Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock against you know jojo romero or whoever they're throwing out there i I don't i named jojo romero that's like one of their better relievers but it's just it wouldn't work i think the cubs would be like a sneaky second pick but kyle Hendricks kind of isn't very good away from wrigley and but you know the offense is good i mean their bullpen's bad too but you know the cubs and the reds have have a lot of similarities i think it's just you know you darvish against against clayton kershaw i guess is uh, it's probably a advantage to Darvish, but then Walker Bueller against Cal Hendricks is is what it is. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully it ends up being the Reds. If not, I'm sure the Dodgers will find a way to lose to someone else later on down the road. Man, uh, you are such a hater. <laughs> I hate the Dodgers, man. There's no reason to sugarcoat it. I mean, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. They've just been abusing us for the past 10 years. There's nothing like they just get out of our hot tub, man. Like. I, I will. I will say so. Neither Aaron nor I particularly like the Dodgers. He he dislikes them more than I do. I think we can agree they are clearly the best team in in the MLB. It's not even close. But since it's baseball, that only gives them like a you know a twenty eight percent chance to win, while everybody else has a seventeen a seventeen percent chance. You know, I mean, like you know, we we make we crack all these jokes about how the Dodgers get eliminated every year, but you know the favorite usually does. So I I, I, just, I just think it's important to mention that. Yeah, it's definitely important, um, and hopefully that trend stays true. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have a massive podcast that so we'll be recording next Tuesday night. It'll come out on Wednesday, and that'll just be almost exclusively just a full baseball preview. We'll break down every single series, 
Um, there's going to be big DFS slates for playoff baseball. We'll definitely be looking into that. But uh, yeah, that'll be a great show next week that I'm really looking forward to. Playoff baseball is such a different breed too because the hitters are just so much more locked in. Like everybody just like, you know, amps it up a little bit more. Like the DFS is totally different. And the managers get so antsy to go to the bullpen. Absolutely. Yeah, but man, we we better not waste too much time here. Uh, we got a 14-game DFS slate to talk about, Ben. What 14 I 14 mean. games. There are two Major League Baseball teams that are not on this slate. Two. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. Uh, it locks at 5 p.m. Central Time. Man, uh, a couple important things to note before we get going. We're recording this on Tuesday night. This will be for the Wednesday slate. Um, every player that we recommend, be sure... If you want to play them, make sure they're in the lineup because we obviously don't have the lineups yet. And you're going to have to monitor the weather because, you know, there's usually a few games that have a few weather concerns, whether it be rain or heavy wind. Or you can just follow us on Twitter at the Cash Landing Pod and we will monitor all of it for you and uh, tweet out updates as we see fit. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's great to, to note. You know, a lot of people don't look at weather because they, they think it's not very important. But if, you know, even if it's not raining, you want to know if that wind is blowing in 30 miles an hour from left field and you're thinking of, you know, taking a pull power hitter. It's it, it's very important. Yeah, no, it makes a difference, especially when you're, you know, as sharp as we are. We're trying to gain every single edge we can for our loyal <laughs> right, listeners. Let's, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We're, we're going to start with pitcher because pitcher is, you know, the most important in in daily baseball. Especially uh, DraftKings, so we're going to go based off DraftKings pricing once again. Uh, you know that's just going to be the way it is from here on out. And we're going to start off with: is is this the most expensive man on the slate? I'm I'm. If he's not, it's probably a it's probably a mistake. This is the most expensive man on the slate, Shane Bieber. Um, Ten thousand two hundred dollars, I believe, four hundred dollars more than Trevor Bauer. Uh, if you're looking to pay up on this slate, you know it's going to be either Bieber or Bauer at the very top. I really think we're splitting hairs. We've got Bieber against the Chicago White Sox. We've got Bauer at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. Ben, I think I'm leaning Bieber, and I'll get into the numbers for the reason why, but you have a lean here on Bieber versus Bauer. They both seem like great plays. Uh, They are both great plays. I have no problem with anybody taking Trevor Bauer. I will say that I expect the Milwaukee lefties to hit some home runs off of Trevor Bauer. Uh, specifically Yelich and whoever they have playing first base. Because, uh, you know, sometimes it's smoke, sometimes it, it isn't. Uh, so I, I, I would say I lean Bieber as well, just because I expect Bauer to give up some of the long ball. Yeah, I also lean Bieber. And, you know, people will say, well, isn't Bieber going against the White Sox, you know, the best team in the American League, a team with a lot of power? And they certainly do have power. But the White Sox, they've only seen Bieber once this year. That was early in the season, so they haven't seen him in a while. Uh, The White Sox have a 25% K rate against right-handed pitching, which a 25% K rate, if you're not familiar, that's very high. Um, You combine that with Shane Bieber's absolutely ridiculous 30% K rate, and that's just a great play. Um, He's got, you know, 13, 14 strikeout upside, probably a 7, 8 strikeout absolute floor. Um, He's been pretty good at preventing runs all year, obviously. He's pretty much a lock for the Cy Young at this point. I don't see too many I don't see a world in which Shane Bieber gives up a lot of runs here that often Uh, I just think he's a great play if you're looking to spend all the way up a pitcher which you do not have to but you know anytime you can get Shane Bieber under 11k 
he's a pretty good option here, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I do want to say Aaron called the Shane Bieber Cy Young, you know, in before the season ever started. I agreed that Shane Bieber was going to win the AL Cy Young in February. I got the receipts. I can show you. If you're if you're debating, if, if you're wondering on our baseball knowledge, just know that we knew Shane Bieber would win the Cy Young. We drafted him in like the fourth round or the third round of of uh, our our joint baseball league. We knew, and we still know Shane Bieber will probably outperform what people think he will against the vaunted White Sox lineup. Yep, I would agree. Uh, moving on here, the next guy I've got listed here is going to be Kenta Maeda at ninety two hundred. Um, the best thing that ever happened to Kenta Maeda from a DFS perspective was being freed of Dave Roberts, who only <laughs> let him go five innings every single start. That was horrible. Now that he's on the Twins, you know, he actually goes seven innings pretty often, eight innings sometimes. He's going up here against the Tigers, who also have a 25% K rate against right-handed pitchers. And man, we know Kenta Maeda just dominates uh, right-handed hitters. There's very few hitters to be afraid of in this lineup. And then on top of that, Maeda is one of the best players in baseball at not allowing hard contact. So you combine that, you know, not allowing hard contact in with the strikeout upside against the Tigers. It seems like he's got a really high floor here in this matchup, Ben. I feel like Kent Maeda is a really good way to start your cash lineup if you're not paying all the way up. I, I totally agree. I think I think Maeda probably slots into most of my cash lineups and and a few tournaments even because he he certainly has the upside as well. Uh, I mean we've seen him post you know thirty plus points before and against the Tigers I definitely think he can do it again for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the next guy we have here, you've got a guy that you want to alert the people to maybe avoid here. And in- yeah, so oh. we're not just talking about guys you should take. I'm I'm putting my foot down here and I'm saying that you should probably not take Max Freed at nine thousand. Uh, I think there are far better options below him. And I'm just saying that Max Reed is obviously a great pitcher. He's quietly having a Cy Young caliber, you know, half season, whatever this is. But as far as daily fantasy goes, he hasn't gone more than six innings in more than one start this year. He's never reached 30 DraftKings points and he's $9,000. So he's not going to win you a tournament. He's probably a, he's probably an okay cash option, but I think there are even better cash options for $3,000 less than him. And I, I just think there's better options on the slate overall. Yeah, on a 14-game slate, if you're trying to win a tournament on a 14-game slate, you cannot pay $9,000 for a pitcher that has yet to reach 30 DraftKings points. I think it's pretty pretty simple there. Yeah. All right, next man. Uh, it's going to be Zach Gallen, uh, Diamondbacks legend, $8,600. If you're unaware um, of the work of Zach Gallen, shame on you. You need to pay more attention. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He has an absolutely elite combo of uh, the Rex Specs and the Flow. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, I mean, Zach Gallon, Ben, I know you like Zach Gallon. Go ahead and take this, us through this matchup here. I mean, so this is going to be a hot take. Are, are you ready for this hot take? I'm just, I'm just going to say, no, nobody in baseball history has ever looked cuter in the Rex Specs than Zach Gallon does. I don't know what it is about him, but he just looks adorable in those goggles. <laughs> absolutely adorable, you say. <laughs> Oh man. I mean, he just, he pitches like it. If you think he's adorable, you should see his change up. Uh, he's been dominant against lefties this year. He's been really good against righties. He throws four pitches and he throws them all in any count. And he's got a matchup here at home against the Texas Rangers and the Rangers look, they're just not very good. They strike out a lot. Um, I think Gallon's a great tournament option here. I think he goes seven innings. 
Uh, he puts up nine strikeouts and gives up one earned run. And uh, we're going to clip this audio and post it on Twitter when, you know, that's the exact stat line that he ends up putting up. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to add on that if this was maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Gallon would be the, the chalkiest person on the slate, but he, he has sort of had a couple rough outings in a row. But this is the Texas Rangers, man. They don't put the bat on the ball, and they haven't all year. And so I definitely expect Gallon to, you know, nine strikeouts sounds, sounds pretty realistic. Yeah, I just think it's a good bounce back spot here for Gallon, who's just been as steady as they come all year. All right, who's the next yeah, guy no, you got I, going, Ben? I, I, I totally agree. Speaking of strikeouts, Sixto Sanchez is down here at 7,700, which is pretty cheap for the production that he's put up so far this year. I mean, the Marlins have just unleashed this guy. You can, this guy can get you 13 strikeouts and go seven innings easily. He's done it before. I mean, this to me just seems like a plug and play kind of no matter where you're going with pitcher. I mean, he could play, you could play him in cash, you could play him in tournaments. He's probably going to be chalky at this price and there's other options if you want to avoid the chalk, but I think Sixto Sanchez is kind of a no brainer. You think he's chalky here against the Braves? I mean, the Braves are usually not an offense that we like to target pitchers against. There's, there's just, there are some guys where when you throw 101 and have the changeup that he has, I, you're, you're matchup proof. And I think he's, he's matchup proof in that the strikeouts will get him the floor, even if he gives up runs, because he's going to strike people out. And if he happens to not give up runs, he might, he might win you the, you know, he, he might win you your tournament. All right, uh, I'll, I'm with you there. I think I would lean Sixto in tournaments. Uh, instead of cash, that's just me personally. But you know, if you have a gut feeling on six zero in cash, then I say just go with your gut there. Uh, next guy, you've got Masahiro Tanaka. I kind of like this play. He's basically the same price as six zero here. Yeah, so he's seventy six hundred, only a hundred dollars less than six zero. I mean, this is just if you want to go relatively cheap at pitcher, this is a high floor guy. He he's averaging twenty DraftKings points in his last five appearances. Uh, if you want to go pretty cheap at pitcher and actually match him with Sixto, try and get the Sixto ceiling with the Tanaka floor, I think that could work out pretty well. The only issue is he's playing at Toronto, which is actually Buffalo because this season is ridiculous. Um, so that could be a problem because that, I mean that's a little league field. The ball goes out on in that field. Uh, the th- I mean if he can avoid more than one long ball, he'll get you twenty five points, and if he gives up three, he'll still probably give you seventeen. Yeah, uh, the. The ballpark is really the only concern here. I mean, obviously the Blue Jays have some guys in that lineup that definitely scare you, but they also are a pretty high strikeout team. We know Tanaka has strikeout stuff. The ballpark scares you, but if you can kind of stomach pitching someone in Buffalo, and then I think Tanaka is actually a pretty good tournament option. Uh, he definitely has 35-point upside. We've seen it before. Ben, you have here value play of the day listed in all caps. I'm going to let you take it away here with this guy. So this is this is Dean Kremer of the of the Baltimore Orioles, and and I do want to preface this. This is just the value pitcher of the day. Uh, I think there's actually a hitter that we'll we'll get to later who's a who's better value. But I I want to ask the listeners this question of how long did it take you to believe in Sixto Sanchez or Christian Javier or Dustin May? The answer is probably two or three starts. Well, Dean Kremer was the Orioles' number ten prospect. He has three starts now. He's done nothing but but produce at the major league level. One earned run in all three of his starts. Six innings in two of them, seven innings in another. Some strikeout upside, some control issues, you know, just like Christian Javier, just like Sixto Sanchez. If you if you take into account this price point is $3,000 lower than a lot of those other names that I listed, I mean, you could see why I think this is value. 
I will say it's an away game at Boston. Boston can hit, but they do have nothing to play for other than Kumar Rocker. I mean, they're they're tanking hard for one of those Vandy pitchers. So I'm I'm gonna shoot for six innings and seven strikeouts with with Dean Kremer. And you know, if he if he can get you 22 points at 6,700, then you, you're you're looking good in whatever tournament you're in, as long as you pick your hitters correctly. Yeah, you're looking really good at that point because if you're playing him. That means you're either probably pairing him with either Trevor Bauer or Shane Bieber, or you're pairing him with another relatively cheap pitcher, and you're just going to have a ton of money for you know elite hitters. And there's a lot of elite hitters today. So, man, if he comes through, that's definitely going to be um, a big advantage to your lineups. I think you can mix him in in tournaments and even consider him in cash games here. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to trust your gut here, Ben. I'm going to go with you on this I, one. I appreciate it. I, I know my prospects, baby. Yes, you do. You ready to move on to catcher? I would love to move on to catcher. All right, uh, Carson Kelly. Oh, well, before we go specifically, we're going to talk about you know how we approach catcher here on the Cash Landing Podcast. Uh, we like to go with a little philosophy that we call punting catcher. If you're not familiar with that, that is when you essentially punt the position, you scroll all the way down, you take a very cheap catcher, and you know the strategy being... There's not that many great catchers in the major league base uh, in major league baseball. Obviously, you've got guys like Rio Muto at the top that can obviously burn you, but usually the opportunity cost of going with a cheap catcher is not going to be too much. So, yeah, we usually like to go pretty cheap at catcher, and I think Carson Kelly at twenty six hundred is a pretty good start. Ben, uh, you with me on Carson Kelly here against the Texas Rangers? Dude, opportunity costs. All of our all of our economics professors would be so proud of you right now. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like Carson Kelly. I mean, it, we're punting catcher here, so it almost doesn't matter who you take. Um, we're gonna give you like four names, and you know, they all might hit a home run. They might break the slate and hit two. Uh, they're probably gonna end up with with six points, and it's not gonna kill you because you're only spending you know less than three thousand dollars on them. I like Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly did just go yard today, tonight, uh, like two hours before we filmed this. I'm not sure he can do it twice in a row, but <laughs> or you know, or this, he's hot, <laughs> or, or he's hot. Yeah. But this is, you know, I I've never heard of this Ranger left-handed pitcher. I mean, it, it's a good matchup. Carson Kelly can hit lefties. I'll, I I I definitely don't hate it. Yeah, no, I mean the point is he's twenty six hundred dollars. This is the easiest way to be able to fit in, you know, high price pitchers and some good hitters is just take a really cheap catcher and just, you know, fill out the rest of your lineup with guys that you like. Um, all right, Ben, who's your next punt catcher here? This is this is less of a punt catcher, I'll admit. So Pe- Pedro Severino is only thirty three hundred dollars. It wasn't too long ago. He was like forty eight hundred dollars this year. He hits in the middle of the Baltimore or- order. They're going to go against Nathan Eovaldi and Eovaldi is fine, but. I mean, this is middle of the order. He's going to take meaningful at-bats for, you know, against uh, probably against the Red Sox bullpen with runners on base. So I wouldn't be surprised if he turns around 97 over the monster at some point. Uh, and 3,300 is not that far up from some of these other guys that we're talking about. Yeah, I definitely like that. Uh, we're going to get to more Orioles later. I definitely think Baltimore is kind of a sneaky uh, stack here. Uh, a stack being when you play multiple guys from the same lineup, hoping they, you know, correlate with a bunch of runs and RBIs and stuff for any of our new uh, DFS players out there. My next catcher here is going to be Tucker Barnhart. Uh, he's $2,500. This is the catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. They're playing in Great American Ballpark, which is a absolutely great ballpark for hitters, especially left-handed power hitters. 
He's going up here against Adrian Hauser, who has not had a good year at all. Uh, Tucker Barnhart has some pop. I've been on a pretty good run with Tucker Barnhart as far as punt catcher homers. So I'm just going to try to... I'm just going to try to keep riding uh, my boy Tucker Barnhart here. I think he has a good chance to go yard here against Adrian Pauser in a great hitter's park. Yeah, no, I, I don't hate that at all. I mean, uh, we're going to target Adrian Hauser a lot, you'll find, on this podcast. <laughs> this is true. This is an anti-Adrian Hauser podcast. Sorry for the Hauser family. <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> all right, but moving on. You have Victor Caratini on here for 2200 I love that. Listen, <laughs> Trevor Williams has been – actually pretty good this year there are maybe three rules that i have when it comes to <laughs> daily fantasy in baseball i was gonna say are we letting all, him in the club are we letting him in the club? <laughs> he's, he, he's in the club <laughs> all of them involve lefty hitters against specific pitchers if you see julio tehran anthony discofani or trevor williams is pitching. You take every lefty hitter you possibly can. That's the club. Against those three pitchers. That is the club. And Victor, Car- the, the good thing about Victor Caratini is he, when he doesn't catch, he usually DHs. So he will probably be in the lineup tomorrow. He's only $2,200. He's a lefty against Trevor Williams. Uh, unless the wind is blowing in from right field at 40 miles an hour, I'm, I'm probably locking Caratini into a lot of my lineups. Yeah, look, Victor Caratini, he has zero home runs this year. Obviously not ideal. If there were ever a time for him to hit a home run, it's against Trevor Williams. But even if not, you know, $2,200 from a catcher, if you can get an RBI double or like a two RBI single with a couple of runs scored, I mean, if you can get anywhere in the range of like 10 to 12 points, you're looking really good. But uh Victor Carantini against Trevor Williams. Yeah, lock him and load him 2,200. I absolutely love that. And I know some of you are probably asking, but guys, I have so much money left over and I need a catcher. I would say just go for whichever Dodgers lefty masher is going to play against uh, Sean Manea. So whether that's Will Smith or Austin Barnes, whatever, everybody hits that man hard. Uh, His hard hit percentage is, is ridiculous. So you just have to hope that they find some grass or one of the bleachers in in Oakland Coliseum, and I, I think either one of those options is is fine if you you know have five grand left after building your perfect lineup, and you know you're looking at catcher. If you have five grand left at catcher and you have a perfect lineup built, please send it to me because <laughs> I would love to see it. I would love to see it because. I mean, every lineup that I have ever made that I absolutely love almost always includes a punt catcher. So, yeah, that would be great if you could figure that out. All right, you ready to move on to first base here? Of course. There are so many first basemen on this slate. One in particular, but we are going to start. We got to start with him. I mean, I don't want to bury the lead here. This is ridiculous. Take it away. (laughs) Anthony Rizzo. I want to clarify this. A lefty against Trevor Williams, Anthony Rizzo, is $3,800, which just cannot be right. I keep expecting it to be changed. He is going to be 90% owned. I'm I'm convinced. I mean, what do you think of this this Anthony Rizzo pricing? Yeah, it just seems wrong. It seems like um, they let, at DraftKings, they let some intern try to do the pricing for this slate, and that intern has (laughs) unfortunately lost his job. Because Anthony Rizzo is going to be 95% owned in cash games. Um, look, if you're playing cash games, which again, that's like your 50-50s, your double ups, you know, the ones where you're just trying to straight up double your money, um, you pretty much have to play Anthony Rizzo. He's going to be 
you know, he honestly, we say 90, he's going to be like 70, 80% owned in cash games. So if he hits a home run and you don't have him, you are going to be in a lot of trouble. And then if he doesn't do much for whatever reason, maybe he just twists an ankle or, you know, the wind's blowing in 40 miles an hour, then, you know, you'll still be fine because everybody else also had him. But man, I mean, we talked about letting Trevor Williams in the club. Anthony Rizzo just seems like the perfect guy to send one, you know, to the top deck at Wrigley Field here. Yeah, I mean, this this pricing is just... So, you know, we set up the Google Doc every time before we record so that we're on the same page here. I saw Aaron type the name <laughs> Anthony Rizzo, and I opened my DraftKings app, and I looked for him, and I couldn't find him at, you know, $5,000 where I expected that he belonged. And then I scrolled down and saw him down there with, like, Christian Walker. And I was like, this just cannot possibly be t- be correct. Yeah, no, Anthony Rizzo, um, he's, he's obviously a great tournament play. Uh, you have to play him in cash games. We both really like him. If you want to pay up, uh, maybe you went really cheap at both your pitcher spots. Uh, I think you definitely have to consider Luke Voigt here at fifty four hundred. He's been one of the best hitter. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball all year. I think he's leading the league in home runs. He's got a matchup here against uh, Robbie Ray. Tends to give up a lot of homers. He tends to walk people, which leads to just big innings. Um, the Yankees are super expensive in this matchup in Buffalo. Um, they should be really expensive, but if you have the money to do a Yankee stack, I don't really, I would not be leaving Luke Voigt out of my Yankee stack. I, I just, I think is a great play here versus Rob. I've, yeah. I've got to say a, a Kremer Tanaka or a Kremer Sixto Yankee stack sounds like it could probably win you a tournament. Yeah. I mean, easily. Even though the Yankees are super expensive, uh, they probably will get some ownership here. But, you know, if you can just get a little creative at pitcher, I wouldn't mind eating the chalk here on an expensive Yankee stack that definitely includes Luke Voigt at first base. And and I will say, you know, Luke Voigt kind of came out of nowhere. If you don't trust Luke Voigt this year, I understand that. May I interest you in a Paul Goldschmidt for $5,000? Uh, Goldschmidt versus Danny Duffy is definitely a matchup that should go the way of Mr. 900 OPS. Uh, Goldschmidt's having a good year. He's hitting the ball hard consistently. I think that the Cardinals are going to hit the, uh, the, this Royal starter around pretty well. I just think that's a that's a decent pricing, If again, if you're looking to pay up at first base, which you definitely don't need to do with Rizzo and some of the other guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, I don't dislike Goldschmidt here. Um you know, he's got some power, obviously. I personally would find the extra 400 for Voight, but that's just me. Um, Goldschmidt is probably a good tournament pivot. He'll come in at less ownership than Anthony Rizzo and Luke Voigt for sure. So, yeah, I don't hate that at all. And speaking of old first baseman, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find Joey Votto. I think this is also a good tournament pivot from Luke Voigt, uh, especially if you need to. I mean, that's a that's $1,000. That, that can go a long way for the rest of your lineup. If you just have too much Rizzo, if you don't like Luke Voigt, Votto is super hot lately. Uh, it's been, you know, the media has been pretty quiet about it, but he's been hitting the cover off the ball. We talked about we're going to target Adrian Hauser, and we still are. I mean, it just seems like Adrian Hauser is the guy who gives him a middle end fastball that he deposits into those right field bleachers that are very close in Great American Ballpark. I've I've seen that movie before. Yeah, uh, speaking of sneaky stacks here, we've got the Orioles. Um, I think the Reds are pretty sneaky. Um, Castellanos, who we didn't jot down here, he's pretty cheap. You could even punt shortstop with like a Freddie Galvis. We mentioned Tucker Barnhart. 
Uh, I think Vado slides right into your red stack. If you want to get creative, go outside the box. If you're making multiple tournament lineups, I don't hate the idea of a red stack that includes Joey Votto. And the the Reds are hot. I mean, they're winning. They're winning games. Absolutely, they, they believe. Absolutely, they're looking for that matchup versus the Dodgers. They want it. They want the smoke. <laughs> All right, All right. You, you've got a guy written down here under Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, I've got a guy one hundred dollars less than Anthony Rizzo, so that makes him strictly a tournament play because you have to play Anthony Rizzo in cash. Um, that's going to be Ryan Mountcastle. It's a really cool name. Uh, he's thirty seven hundred dollars. I think though, I've talked about. I'm kind of on the Orioles for this slate tomorrow. Uh, he's going up against Nathan Eovaldi in Fenway. I think he's got a good shot for a home run. And even when Eovaldi comes out of the game, you know that just means we get the Red Sox bullpen, which is even better. Uh, I think is a good tournament pivot here off of chalk Anthony Rizzo because we are playing Anthony Rizzo in cash here on the Cash Lenny Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 he is. Ryan Mountcastle is was a legitimate prospect, top five in the Orioles system. Has a great hit tool. He can turn around Nathan Evaldi's 97 pretty easily. Um I mean, if you would play Trey Mancini here, you you should probably be playing Ryan Mountcastle, because I think that uh hitting wise they have very similar profiles. Yep, I would agree. All right, Ben. Uh I'm gonna go back to your little listener voice here. Ben, <laughs> I went super expensive. I played Trevor Bauer and Shane Bieber uh, in my pitching slots. Who are some good budget options for me at first base? So you've got two budget options that are almost the same player in the same situation, actually. You have, I don't know why I'm talking like this. So uh, you've got Christian Walker, who is at $3,300. He has like an 8, 840 OPS this year, something around there. I mean, he's, he's a productive player. This is good production for $1,000 less than everybody else that we talked about above. The Rangers bullpen isn't very good, and I don't know who Wes Benjamin is. So I think that you know Christian Walker is a solid option. You also have Yuli Gurriel even further down at twenty eight hundred dollars, who is going to be hitting you know fourth for the Houston Astros. He's hitting three oh four with a six six oh seven slugging percentage against lefties on the year, and he's twenty eight hundred dollars. I will say that Yuli's been scuffling; he's been struggling. He has a hand injury that he's playing through. But if he's not sitting down next game, I would think that his hand is good enough to produce against Nick Marjevicus and his 88-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, uh, that those definitely seem like good budget options. They are very similar players. They both have good plate discipline, which can lead to you know a good floor. And uh, Christian Walker, Yuli Gurriel certainly have home run upside in these matchups. Uh, poor Wes Benjamin, you know, he didn't think he was going to get just slaughtered on this podcast. But... Just absolutely roasted for no reason. You've now brought up twice who the hell is Wes Benjamin. <laughs> I wrote down uh, when I was talking about Carson Kelly, I just wrote, you know, versus unproven Rangers pitcher. I was trying to be a little more nice than you are. But uh, yeah, we don't know who this man is. Uh, yeah, I don't know who he is. All right. Um, <laughs> you ready to go to second base? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't think this position is very deep uh, on this slate. I think it's a little better than shortstop, but I don't think there's very many options here. Yeah. Um, the top guy at the top is obviously going to be DJ LeMahieu. Look, he's 5,500. The Yankee stack is really expensive. You can't play all of them, but I mean, you, we at least have to mention DJ LeMahieu, who I just, there's no way Robbie Ray gets him out too often in this spot here. The Yankees are going to hit a bunch of home runs. There's no reason DJ LeMahieu can't hit one or two of the home runs that the Yankees 
will be hitting off of Robbie Ray in Buffalo. <laughs> I love the certainty. Uh, so Mike Moustakis was my guy right underneath LeMayhew. I would have put him at first base, but there were so many options there, and he's second base eligible. He's $300 more than Joey Votto also. I, I mean, I'm probably taking Votto over him eight times out of ten, but you're going to play him for the same reason you would play Votto. Hauser hasn't been very good. It's Great American Ballpark. Right field is very close. He can just sort of, you know, hit a pop-up homer, you know, fairly easily. <laughs> right field is close to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, that's the analysis we're giving out here on the podcast. I love that. Sometimes you have to it's break good. down to the basics. And it looks even closer when Adrian Hauser's on the mound. But... <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I have I have Kike Hernandez. This is the same reason as Austin Barnes, Will Smith. I don't think Sean Manet is very good. His hard hit percentage is, you know, I really like targeting hard hit percentage for daily fantasy because it's just a matter of if the ball is going to fall, you know, then you don't really have to worry about your guys striking out all the time. Kike Hernandez, good bat to ball skills, lefty masher. Manea is bad. You you know the deal already. He's 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 4K, so he's he's relatively inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, if you're rolling out Dodgers lineups, then Kike Hernandez is definitely a good guy to slot in anytime they're going up against a, a questionable lefty, which they certainly are in this spot. And I last, you know, I apparently I wrote down a lot more second baseman than you did, but I will also say, do not play Jose Altuve. He cannot hit a lefty this year. His lefty splits are unbelievably bad. He will roll over three times against Nick Marjevicus, and you will be sad that <clears throat> that you spent $3,900 on him. <laughs> All right, but how do you feel about Joey Wendell? Oh, I love Joey Wendell. <laughs> what, a, what a coincidence for you to bring up Joey Wendell. I mean, so Joey Wendell's $3,800. That's a great value play. He, he seems to always barrel the ball up. He could definitely just hit a piss missile off of Michael Walker or any of these righty relievers that the Mets put in. He hits like fifth in this Rays lineup, and nobody even knows his name. Uh, I, I will mention he's also third base eligible. So if you're looking for a you know medium priced third baseman, I think this is a decent option as well. Uh, we didn't mention this uh, when you talked about Max Freed, how we should absolutely not play Max Freed. I don't know if you noticed this when you were scrolling through, but Michael Walker was also like 9K. Uh, don't play Michael Walker at 9K on a 14 game slate. Please. My eyes honestly must have just glazed over it because like they didn't believe what they were seeing. Yeah, no, he was like the same price as Kenta Maeda. I, I didn't even know what to do, so I just kind of <laughs> ignored it because I was just <laughs> really confused and kind of upset about it. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's, so that's nuts. Uh, cheap second baseman here for me. It's going to be Kittel Marte, $2,900. Oh, Kittel Marte. <laughs> Man, you can tell this season he's he's taken the heart out of my chest. He's torn it into pieces. He's left it on the side of the road to be eaten by vultures. Oh, man, he's let me down in a lot of slates this year. I've been a sucker for Cattell Marte. The power has not been there at all. He's coming off a wrist injury. With all of that being said, I'm suckered in once again because he is $2,900 against the Rangers on a slate where I don't really like too many second basemen. If you can get me Cattell Marte at $2,900 and allow me to pay up in other spots, then the man has to hit a home run eventually, right? Right? It's not even It's not even that, but at $2,900, if he just goes two for four, I mean, that's, that's value right there. I definitely, I think Cattell Marte is probably rolling out in a lot of my cash lineups, to be honest, just so I can pay up elsewhere. 
I, I, there were a lot of games this year where he went three for four with three singles, and that's value at this price. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously we've talked about this Rangers pitcher a little bit. We think the Diamondbacks have a good shot to put up some runs here. They put up seven runs tonight, which is, man, seven runs to the Diamondbacks. That is a lot this season. So it's, we- it's worth it, it is, it's worth mentioning this is righty Cattell against the lefty starter, and righty Cattell never really had that much home run power. So, I mean, that's I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, it is worth mentioning. Uh, he has hit one this year, righty. Um, he can, it's still a big ballpark. He can hit a triple. Basically, you're hoping for Cattell to come up here in a big RBI spot and for him to come through. And, you know, if he does, he'll immediately pay off his $2,900 price point at a position that is relatively weak. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to move on to third base if you've got nothing else here. I got nothing else, and third base is not relatively weak. Third base is pretty strong. We already talked about Jose Ramirez. The man's expensive. He is playing like a god, uh, but it is against Lucas Giolito. If you want to fade him, I don't mind, but, I mean, he's he's matchup proof. This, this guy might be the AL MVP, so if you want to pay $5,800 for Jose Ramirez, by all means, be my guest. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of elite pitchers on this slate, but... Man, when you get a 14-game slate, uh, you can get pretty wild in tournaments, so you might be able to get Jose Ramirez at like 3% owned or something here against Lucas Giolito, which is just a lot of leverage on the field if you're looking to try to truly win a tournament and get an elite player that's going to come in at really low ownership, so I don't hate that at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. We didn't even really talk about Lucas Giolito as a pitcher. He's a good option. I'll tell you that much, especially against Cleveland. Uh, if you wanted to roll out Giolito in cash, that's a that's a good option. Yeah. Um, my my next third baseman is a guy who is only recently third base eligible. Actually, he shifted over. It's Cav Biggio. Uh, he's he's forty five hundred dollars. I just put him here. There's not many guys with steal and homer upside, but he has both here, especially against Tanaka, who's you know a little slow to the plate. Uh, it's a little league Buffalo park. I could just definitely see a stat line at which he puts up 25 fantasy points because, you know, solo Homer and a, and a steal after he walks in the, in the seventh inning. Yeah. Cavs probably going to go overlooked here, which makes him a good tournament play. Um, Tanaka, we know he can be a little bit boom bust sometimes. Um, you know, we talked about, he's pretty, pretty steady for cash, but there is the rare start where, you know, he gives up three or four homers. So I do think Cav, who homer tonight, uh, might have a good chance to homer again. And uh, you mentioned the steals; that's always nice. So I'll let yeah. you, uh, I'll let you take it here with your boy Bregman. Yeah, my boy Bregs. Uh, what a fall from grace for this guy as well. He's only forty four hundred after being, you know, above five K basically all year. He's cheap because he's not hitting. Uh, you know, that's it's the way the algor- the algorithm works, and you just have to sort of pick when the slump is going to end correctly. He usually hits the Marjevicus type pitchers well, the soft tossing lefties. Um, I, I could just see, you know, a couple doubles getting deposited down the left field line. I could see a, a home run, you know, going down left center. He almost did it today. He kind of got into one, but just got a little under it. I could definitely see him straightening that out, uh, t- uh tomorrow, tomorrow night, I guess they're going to be playing the Mariners. Uh, yep. Uh, hopefully, you know, if they're not playing the Mariners, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> I so. was, I was confused as to whether it was the afternoon or the night. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, this is a 5 p.m. lock for this slate, so have all your lineups set by 5 o'clock. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Donaldson here, 4,200, just slightly less than Bregman. Um, I think the Twins are going to be pretty sneaky here against Casey Mize. People might just see the name Casey Mize and, you know, get kind of scared off, but, you know, Casey Mize, while it's still really early in his career and, you know, we're not saying anything about his career long term, 
he has not given us any reason to be scared of him for this specific season. Um, you know, he's been pretty hittable. He's been giving up some long balls. I think the Twins are sneaky. Donaldson's starting to heat up a little bit. He's put up 10-plus DraftKings points in three of his last four games. I like Josh Donaldson here against Casey Mize and the Tigers' bullpen, which is nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Donaldson is probably the best value on the slate. Well, not the best value. He's the best, you know, sure thing third baseman, I would say. Uh, I, I think he will at least get you eight fantasy points. Yeah, which obviously you want more than eight to win the tournament, but you know, in cash games, uh, eight's not bad, and in tournaments, it keeps you alive. I also next guy five hundred dollars cheaper is going to be Eugenio Suarez. We talked about the Reds ballpark. We talked about Adrian Hauser. Uh, Eugenio Suarez. If you've watched the Reds, you've probably seen him strike out a lot because he's looked pretty like, ugly. Yeah, like a lot. He's looked pretty ugly up there at the plate, but look, he still has 14 home runs and, you know, it's a good matchup. It's a good ballpark. There's no reason home run number 15 is not coming here tomorrow. So I do like Suarez here at a relatively cheap price against Adrian Hauser. Uh, yeah, Suarez is a good boomer bust option. I have another boomer bust option for you and it's Cabrian Hayes. <clears throat> this guy, you know, came up from the, he's 25 years old. He is super ready for the MLB. He came up from the Pirates alternate site a couple weeks ago and just set the league on fire. He's a little scary to play against Kyle Hendricks, but he has elite tools and a 988 OPS so far on the year. He'll either get you zero or like 28 fantasy points. So if you, if you really hate what you've seen from Suarez, you might want to play Hayes if you're looking for that, you know, home run to, to get you over the edge. Yep. That's a good sneaky play right there. Um, You mentioned Josh Donaldson might've been your favorite value third baseman on the slate. I know not far behind him for you, and I think maybe my favorite third baseman is definitely going to be Alec Baum here at $3,000. Ben, I'll let you take me through the Alec Baum numbers here against Eric Fetty. Yeah, so in Alec Baum's last 12 games, he is slashing 396, 458, 651. Uh, That is, that's a hot hitter right there. He's one of the few, like, fully healthy Phillies. Uh, You know, Bryce Harper looks a little hurt. Andrew McCutcheon looks a little hurt. Reese Hoskins is fully hurt. I think this is the one bad in that lineup, maybe DD and maybe Gene Segura. But besides them, this is one of the few bats in that lineup where you can just plug him in and he'll probably produce. And it's against Eric Fetty. And if, if you're not sure who Eric Fetty is, that's because, you know, he's the Nationals fourth starter and, and the Nationals are not very good this year. Yeah, no, the Nationals are not very good this year. Alec Baum is definitely hot right now. Over 1,000 OPS in his last 12 games. Anytime you see that, that certainly catches your attention, especially for, for at 3,000. Yep. Yeah, that is, I mean, I, again, going to be in a lot of cash lineups. I don't know if he'll even be chalky in tournaments because people don't love to play rookies, but he's he's such a hot hitter and it's such a good matchup i i think you know i'm slotting him into third base a lot if i'm not slotting in donaldson or you know or bregman yeah no i mean he's got the upside and it just lets you you know lets you get creative at other spots in your lineup and some of those other spots that you might need to get creative are spots like shortstop um not the best day for shortstop (laughs) no it's not great i don't i don't love a lot of people but, you know, so maybe this is a good spot to pay up. Um, yeah, who are some of the top shortstops you like here? 
I mean, Trey Turner and Trevor Story, I think, are the are the the two big ones. Um, Trey Turner against Zach Eflin. I mean, I've seen Trey Turner hit absolute nukes to center field off that exact type of pitcher, just like a, a sinker baller that leaves it up a little bit. Uh, you know, Trevor Story against Logan Webb uh, in in away from Coors, but still, I mean, you know, Trevor Story has the power to hit it out of any park. So I, I like both of those guys. Story might steal. Turner might steal. You might have to pay up for those because there's there's not a whole lot in the middle and there's almost no value at this position. Yeah, there's not too much value at this position. Um, another guy that we both had listed here, uh, Didi. I definitely like Didi against Eric Fetty as well. He's a lefty. We know that's a good park for left-handed power hitters. I think he's in a good spot. Another guy would be Gleyber Torres. Uh, I mentioned the Yankees. Gleyber's 4,500, so he's more affordable than the other Yankees in that lineup. Uh, you know, we know Gleyber was kind of the king of the double home run game last year. It hasn't happened yet this year. I think this could be the spot where we get the Gleyber double home run game. Maybe he goes a little underlooked, probably not, but I think he's pretty pretty solid option here at 4,500. I like that. I like that call. <clears throat> I like the Gleyber double home run call. And the other thing about about Torres is, you know, if you expect this Yankees lineup to be scoring runs, he's right in the middle of it. So there's a floor there for sure in terms of you know RBIs and and runs at the very least. Yeah, I mean, especially with Robbie Ray out there, you know, walking everybody, there's a good chance he comes up multiple times with runners in scoring position. You know, with a chance to really put up some serious points for you. Absolutely. All right, uh, my next guy here is Jorge Polanco. I mentioned that I think the twin stack could be pretty sneaky here. Uh, Polanco, another guy that's, you know, switch hitter. He's got a little bit of pop from the left side. He's going to be right in the middle of that lineup. So if the twins are scoring runs, Polanco is going to be right in the middle of the action. Uh, He's only 4,000, so he's pretty affordable. Um, Yeah, I kind of like Jorge Polanco if you're rolling out a couple twins bats or even just as a, you know, a one-off play in cash or maybe in tournaments. Yeah. We mentioned Freddie Galvis as maybe your Hail Mary shortstop. Maybe you can, you know, just yank a ball uh, into that right field of Great American Ballpark. Uh, I will say Jonathan VR at 3,600 might be the only, you know, the closest thing to value that's left. He could definitely put a charge in a ball. He can definitely steal some bases. Uh, you know, I'm not terrified of Tanaka. I think, I think somebody's going to hit him in that game. But... Uh, aside from those two, I think you almost have to pay up for this position uh, for this specific slate. Yeah, and for the for the paying up, you mentioned Turner and Story. I would definitely lean Trey Turner. It's a much better ballpark. Uh, he's more likely to steal. I think Logan Webb is probably better than Eric Fetty. Um, the Giants bullpen is better than the Phillies bullpen. So if you are making a decision between Turner and Story, I would lean Trey Turner. I don't know if you feel the same way, but you know. I probably lean Trey Turner. I'm, I'm I'm mostly neutral. I think I, I I think I agree with all of those points, and I think it it just might not matter with Trevor Story because you never know with him. Um, but I I I don't hate that advice for sure. All right. Um, yeah, I'm about ready to move on to outfield here. We gave away a few short stops. You might just have to pay up at that spot. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to outfield here. Obviously, there's a lot of outfielders. You got to play three of them. Um but that should not be hard to do on a 14 game slate. There should be, you know, a lot of outfielders that we can talk you into or that you can find for yourself. Uh, at the very top, if you have a lot of money left for outfield, because you know, you played all the value plays in the other positions, my two favorite guys are going to be Aaron judge and Juan Soto for the obvious reasons, you know, 
uh, Robbie Ray, Eric Fetty, Ballpark, you know, et cetera. I like Aaron Judge and Juan Soto as my high dollar plays. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no analysis needed there. Those guys are both studs. Um, I will say I really like Mookie and AJ Pollock to a to a lesser extent. I mean, Mookie is above six K. You're almost gonna be you're almost gonna be paying you know for a pitcher at that outfield spot. But he might hit two home runs off Sean Maniah, off Sean Maniah, like for sure. You have written down you have written down Sean Maniah is horrible like eight times on this Google Doc. <laughs> I've it, I have very you know there are baseball takes that I will believe until you take them from me, and Sean Manaya not being very good is one of them. Joey Gallo you know hitting his career peak in those three months of last year is another one. I you know it, feel free to ask me for my baseball takes because I will I will freely give them to you. I, I think AJ Pollock is also super value for the same reason as Mookie, uh, right-handed bat against Manaya. $4,600 could hit two home runs off him easily. Yeah, uh, definitely a good option there. It's not the best ballpark, but all these Dodger hitters, you know, they've got the pop to get it out anywhere. Yeah, um, and AJ Pollock is having a crazy year. He is having a great year. Um, <laughs> I know that hurts you. <laughs> yeah, gotta love AJ Pollock on the Dodgers. Nothing better than that. <laughs> um, I will say um, Bryce Harper is like 5500 he looks visibly hurt. I, I'm not gonna pay 5,500 for him. He like kind of can't bend down, uh, but he has to play because all of the Phillies are are hurt right now. So I'm not paying 5,500 for Harper, even though it's Eric Fetty. You know, maybe he'll maybe he'll go yard and and make me regret it, but I doubt it. He looks he looks legitimately injured. Yeah, it's not ideal if you're paying 5,500 for a guy on a 14 game slate. Um, I've got Giancarlo Stanton and Clint Frazier. Just we have to mention him because we're mentioning all the Yankees. Uh, more exclusively, I've got Eddie Rosario at forty two hundred. Um, I think Eddie Rosario is going to hit a home run. I just think he is. I think Casey Mize is going to give up a home run to Eddie Rosario tomorrow night on the fourteen game slate. He's got a. Two- Do you want to have a go for it? No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh man, that's awkward. All right. Do you want to have a bet? On because I have a guy who I think is also going to hit a home run. You wanna you wanna do a little friendly friendly wager? No money, just you know bragging rights that my guy hits a home run or your guy hits a home run. Yeah, I will say Eddie Rosario is more likely to hit a home run than Christian Yelich. All right, I yep, I think it's Christian Yelich against Trevor Bauer. You know we've <laughs> that right field, a great American ballpark, baby. I gotta hit it once, and I think it's Christian Yelich. I can just see it in my mind right now. Bauer, I, I can just see the expression on Bauer's face. He always has that face whenever he gives up the home run. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But yeah, Eddie Rosario, he's got the 245 ISO versus righties. Uh, that's a pretty good ISO. He's got a 40% hard hit rate. I, I just think he's going yard here. All right, Ben, you have another uh, Cincinnati Red listed here. Man, I'm yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a broken record. I got Jesse Winker at 3,900. Jesse Winker has sneakily been one of the elite hitters in the game this entire season he's 3900 that's pretty cheap good hitters park adrian hauser case closed yep case closed uh you've got two more guys here before we get down to another trevor williams victim to your guy (laughs) another trevor williams victim that's sick (laughs) so i got i got alex verdugo 3900 he's too cheap you know i know i said dean kremer is good but verdugo is a good hitter he's too hot he's one of the few you know hitters who's producing the way they were supposed to in the Red Sox lineup. And then I have Kyle Tucker, my boy, the the promised golden child 
at 3,800. He's hot again. He just went three for four today. He's hitting lefties better than righties this year, and it's a soft-tossing lefty. He he struggles with velo a little bit, so the soft-tossing lefty I think is good. I think people are going to stay away because it's lefty-lefty, but I'm telling you that it's a benefit. If anything, he he just he mashes lefties even as a lefty hitter. Um, so I think he's going to be a low-owned sort of uh, you know sleeper. Yeah, the lefty-lefty is all. It's always going to keep down ownership. So. Man, you get a soft tossing lefty against Kyle Tucker, who you know you say hits lefties well. He will have less ownership than he should, so that's definitely a great play. And then you mix in the fact that you know if he gets on base late in the game versus a right-handed bullpen pitcher, you know you've got the steal upside as well. So that's a great yep. play there. Uh, I'm going to go Kyle Schwarber here. He's uh, he's not as much of a lock as Anthony Rizzo, but you know he's got super home run potential against Trevor Williams. Just basically make sure there's no crazy wind in this game because if there's not, we are loading up these lefties against um, Trevor Williams for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's it's Trevor Williams. I'm playing the lefties. That it it is really as simple as that. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Ryan Mountcastle when we were talking about first base. He's also outfield eligible, so you know if you need a cheaper first baseman, you can move Mountcastle to the outfield. You know, if you're locked into like a Rizzo or a Votto or Goldschmidt. Um, same situation with Cattell Marte. He's also outfield eligible. If you're looking to pay up for DJ LeMahieu, you can get a $2,900 outfielder in Cattell if you believe in him. Yeah. And then, all right, let's say, you know, you have your perfect lineup build, Aaron. You, you are absolutely in love with your lineup, but you have an outfield slot left over and not very much money. Who, who, who are you going with? Ooh. Well, in that scenario, Ben, I would say that I'm going to play Jay Bruce, left-handed hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies, going up here <laughs> against Eric Fetty, only $2,300. Um, if you're playing Jay Bruce, you are looking for that little 14 fantasy points that comes from the good old one-for-five solo home run. Uh, we're all familiar with the 14 points for the solo homer. I think Jay Bruce has a good point, has a good chance to add that to your lineup at just $2,300, so... If you have the absolute perfect lineup built, but you only have $2,300 left, no need to scramble because you can just play Jay Bruce and take your home run against Eric Fetty. <laughs> I love that. I just remember, I, I just had a flashback to a couple weeks ago and I was just like, you know, Jay Bruce was maybe $2,800 and they were, they were facing Max Scherzer. And I was like, you know, Jay Bruce seems like the type of guy to just hit a random solo home run off Max Scherzer. And I threw him in my tournament lineups. And he went one for four with a solo home run against Max Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking for here. That's that's pretty incredible that you got it off Scherzer. But Scherzer does always <laughs> give up that one solo homer. So Yeah, I mean, people get like, I mean, I understand, you know, the odds and everything. But I think people get unreasonably scared of these power pitchers uh, that give up home runs. I mean, the good hitters hit home runs off of them at a fairly consistent clip. It's just the bad hitters that just get absolutely mowed down. But. Yeah, for sure. Ooh. I mean, I, I guess I don't know which category I'm putting Jay Bruce in there, but I think Jay Bruce is probably an above average hitter, just not maybe not an above average baseball player in today's MLB. Yeah, no arguments there. Um, man, we just talked about a lot of baseball players. That was a lot of baseball. If you, I mean, you know, we we said a lot of names there. This is a 14 game slate, so there's a lot of names that we didn't say. And if any of the names that we didn't say break the slate, I will be shocked. You, you will be shocked if someone we didn't say breaks the slate? 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. I won't be shocked if someone we didn't say breaks a slate because it's a 14-game slate and there's always just that one random person who hits two home runs. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'll absolutely happen. But, you know, we got to we gotta give out the plays that we believe in. And uh, we did that. And now I think uh, it is ready. I am ready to talk some football. What about you, Ben? You ready to talk some football? Yeah, we, we talked a lot of football in the last episode. If you haven't seen that, I or I guess listen to that, I, I highly recommend that you do so. We uh, We gave out some... Some good, you know, general DFS tips as well as you know stuff that was that only applied to last week, but but some good general stuff as well. And and we gave out some good bets, and and we want to talk about the specific bets that we made with our five hundred dollar weekly allowance. Uh, and I'm going to toss it over to you to because you had a better week than I did. Yeah, so we mentioned that we were going to bet five hundred fake dollars each uh, every week, and then we we're going to keep track of that, hold ourselves accountable. We're going to count our money. And uh, I went three and one this week. Uh, I profited $200. So that's obviously a huge week. If you can lock that in every week, I will certainly take that. Um, I got a partial win on my teaser. The Chiefs minus three, that ended up being a push. And then the Ravens easily covered the minus one. So that was a $55 win there on the teaser. Uh, Giants plus five and a half. Danny Dimes came in the back door. Got a nice little cover for me there. The Bills at the Dolphins over 41. I was really confident in that one. And that one, you know, that one cashed pretty easily. Went exactly how (laughs) I thought it would. Yep. Yep. And my only loss of the week was 49ers at the Jets. I had the under 41. It was looking great. It was sitting at like 38 points with about one minute to go. Sam Darnold avoids the sack, rolls out to his left, throws it, you know, sidearm back to the middle of the field. And just drops an absolute dime um, to the receiver for the garbage time 30-yard touchdown to hit the over. But you know what? Sometimes you're going to have a bad beat. And if I go 3-1 on the week with a bad beat, I'll take that every time. So, yeah, profit $200. That is a good start for me this year. Yeah, that, that was a good start for you. That that Sam Darnold play was just ridiculous. I am I am very sad that we weren't in the same room watching that, so I could have seen <laughs> just the disappointment on your face. Of all ways to lose an under, it's just really Sam Darnold's going to go full Patrick Mahomes with 30 <laughs> seconds left in the game. Like, what? That really was crazy. So I had I went 2-2 two and two on the week. I, I only won $16, uh, but you know what? That's still profit. And uh, I, I didn't lose money. I had the Rams and Eagles under 45 and a half. That one wasn't even close. Um, I mean, it was, it became pretty clear in like the second drive <laughs> of the game that, 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 that bet was, was not going anywhere. I thought that the Rams and Eagles offenses just weren't going to be dynamic enough. Turns out that neither one of those defenses is <laughs> really good enough to start, stop the other one. And also Daryl Henderson just had a bunch of big chunk plays that I did not expect to happen, but. Regardless, lost that one. That was a $115 bet, which, you know, it, it happens. The The Panthers plus eight and a half against Tampa. That one was a little bit of a bad beat. I was I was looking good with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then Leonard Fournette just broke that, you know, that they were they were, they were just going to run out the clock basically on the on the Panthers. And Leonard Fournette just broke like a 45 yard touchdown run because you know, the Carolina defense let it happen. So that's a $110 bet that I lost. But then I went to good old faithful baseball betting. I took the twins money line at the Cubs, caught it at, at plus 125. So I, I bet the underdog and I won. They won that game like nine to one. 
uh, bet 65 to win 81 on that. And then I had my can't lose parlay. It truly can't lose. <laughs> it can't the two lose. huge favorites, Ravens and Bills on the money line. $200 bet. I felt really confident on that one to win 160. And I did win that 160. So that brought me back above even for the weekend and i will surely do better next weekend yep so that puts us at you know five and three as a podcast uh nice little 216 dollar cushion going into next week we will be back on saturday with a another gigantic football podcast where we'll be giving out more winners and hopefully more tournament plays like john U. smith and aaron jones uh who hopefully you guys played last week yeah, we uh, we we gave out we gave out some good ones. I mean, we gave out some duds too. Yeah, Derrick Henry kind of screwed everyone, but you know, that was really bad. I definitely played him in my cash lineup and definitely did not cash that cash lineup because of Derrick Henry. But you know, that stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, speaking of just like the general football landscape, I mean, there's there's a bunch of stuff to talk about after week two. Uh, injuries, man. Man, it was the, the injury, injury week. Yeah, I mean that's there are some big injuries that we're gonna have to cover. Rest in peace, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey owners, Cortland Sutton owners. Paris Campbell's season is done. Man, yeah, Drew Locke is gonna be out for a while. Jimmy G's questionable. Raheem Mostert's out for a week. Man, it's and I forgot that it is tough out there. Um, But hey, this is part of fantasy football. This is where you separate the good fantasy football players from the great fantasy football players. If you have Saquon Barkley, your season is not over. You're just going to have to work a little bit harder for it now. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get to the waiver wire segment here in a little bit. But, man, definitely injuries to note. Um, and, you know, you got to be ready to work pretty hard here if you're going to keep winning in season-long leagues without Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey on your lineup every single week. Yeah, absolutely. So, you – I mean, you – I don't know how Atlanta fans – <laughs> are putting up with this. The Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys game was just completely nuts. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the Falcons were up by, you know, I think they were up by 20 points at halftime. They were up by nine points with like two minutes to go in the game. Um, the onside kick, I'm sure everyone saw it, where <laughs> the ball is just helicoptering on the ground and the Cowboys can't touch it until it gets to the 10-yard line. And the Falcons, they can touch it before it gets to the 10-yard line, but they just look at the ball and wait <laughs> for it to get 10 yards so the Cowboys can grab it and you know go win the game. That was absurd. I would have absolutely lost my mind. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't happen to the Chargers, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised it happened to the Falcons, to say the least. That was absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I mean, the Falcons have just got to blow it up. It's like it's a culture at this point. Like they, it's like they expect to just you know give up thirty unanswered points in the second half of every game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I heard a stat uh, floating out. Um, there are teams that put up thirty nine points in the game. So if you put up thirty nine points and have zero turnovers in the same game, previous teams in that situation were four hundred and forty and zero. until the Falcons this week who put up 39 points with zero turnovers and still found a way to lose Dak Prescott with the three (laughs) with the three rushing touchdowns. You love to see that. Um, Yeah, that was an absolute choke job. Huge win for the Cowboys, man. They were about to be 0-2 heading to Seattle, uh, possibly 0-3. So 
that was a season changer there for the Cowboys, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's big. So you mentioned that you were surprised that it didn't happen to the Chargers. I would be remiss if we did not talk about this Chiefs-Chargers game. How how are you feeling about about you know Justin Herbert, your your apparent savior who will not be starting anymore? There's there's a lot of emotions going on here, Ben. I tried to come into the season with a you know be pretty calm on the Chargers, just be like, all right, it's Tyrod Taylor. You know the defense will be fun to watch. I'm not expecting much from the Chargers this year. And then, you know, Tyrod Taylor gets scratched literally like eight seconds before the game starts. They run over and tell Justin Herbert to grab his helmet because he's making his debut against Patrick Mahomes like right now. Um, Justin Herbert comes in and plays really well. He's running the ball. He's mobile. He's slinging it. Um, you know, he gets it to overtime against Patrick Mahomes. Anthony Lynn punts on fourth and one. You know, why not just punt the ball to Patrick Mahomes to let him drive down the field and kick a field goal and you can just go for it on fourth of one and extend the drive. Um, yeah. Anthony Lynn, he's saving teasers and money line parlays all across America. I'm sure everyone was happy with that decision. I am not going to rant about Anthony Lynn on this podcast, but I cannot promise that for too many podcasts in the future. Cause it's starting to build up inside of me, Ben. I'm, I'm now invested in the chargers and I can just feel I, Anthony Lynn makes me mad, man. I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for now though. In, in defense of Anthony Lynn in that situation, Patrick Mahomes was basically unable to move the ball against the Chargers in their last three games, going all the way back to last year. He averages something like 170 yards against the Chargers. So I understand it a little bit. I also understand you probably don't put the ball in the unanimous MVP's hands unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, especially not when all they need is a field goal and they have a kicker that can clearly make 60-yard field goals, as we all saw at the end of that game. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to get to some waiver wire pickups for the people out there that did lose a lot of people to injury this week? I, I am one of them. I will, I'll admit I got Saquon Barkley in you know one of my leagues, and now I kind of got to scramble for running back. Man, and now you have to give out to all the people, the people that you're trying to pick up on the waiver wire. I mean, we are really, you know, making sacrifices here for our own personal teams, just giving out this advice to the public. Yeah, always, always sacrificing. So I will start this off by saying, Demonte Freeman just signed with the New York Giants today, or there's a report that he's going to sign pending COVID testing. If you somehow drafted Devontae Freeman and held on to him because of the name value, uh, which, you know, a lot of people do, and especially in deep leagues where you stash a lot of people, it's, it's pretty common for Devontae Freeman to be sitting there. If you already have him, I would absolutely go and see if you can get somebody's, you know, wide receiver two for him, maybe a decent backup tight end in case yours gets hurt. I am willing to bet that somebody will panic trade for a running back, especially somebody who had their running back be hurt. Panic trade for Devontae Freeman. If Devontae Freeman couldn't be productive on the Falcons, he almost definitely won't be on this Giants team without an offensive line. And I, I just don't see it happening. So if you want to capitalize on the on the name value, that's that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I, I also do not love the idea of Devontae Freeman. There's a very low ceiling there. Um, I, just, I think it's going to be a committee. I mean, they They've talked highly about Wayne Gallman in the past. Deion Lewis is probably going to be the pass catching back. So there's just no real ceiling for Devontae Freeman in the offense that just took a big hit overall. There is a real ceiling for Jarek McKinnon, however, the 49ers running back, who 
I don't know if I can't remember what year this was, if it was two years ago or last year, but he was going early in drafts when the 49ers first signed him to that deal. He was going very early before he tore his ACL. And, you know, he still has that really explosive speed. He can catch passes. If Mostert is out and Coleman might be out, I mean, 49ers running back is is a premium position in fantasy, basically, regardless of who you are. Yeah, so this one's probably going to be a one-week thing only. It's looking like right now, it's obviously early in the week, but Mostert and Coleman are both probably going to be out. So it could be the Jarek McKinnon show this week, and you know they're going up against the Giants, which is obviously a good matchup. Um, it could be Nick Mullins. You know they don't have many receivers right now, so they are going to be featuring that Kyle Shanahan run offense pretty often here. So while it just might be for one week, uh, McKinnon is going to be a good plug and play if you're desperate for a one week tight end, uh, one week running back. And speaking of running backs that will be good for you for a limited time, how about Mike Davis? Uh, he's going to be the fill in here for Christian McCaffrey. We saw him come in and immediately get like seven or eight targets once Christian McCaffrey was out. That obviously had to do with the game script where the Falcons were, uh, the Panthers were coming from behind here. But, you know, we expect the Panthers to be coming from behind pretty often. You know, they're not going to be winning too many ball games. So Mike Davis, you know, for the four to six weeks that Christian McCaffrey might be out is going to be a pretty good option here in fantasy lineups, you know, in deeper leagues that you need a running back, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that, we have one more name to go through on running backs, but I think that out of all of the names that we have here, I think Davis is going to be the most consistently productive out of everybody that we're naming, but it is only, you know, six weeks max. So if you're looking for him to cover a bye week, maybe for one of your guys who has a bye week in week 10 or 11, you know, he's just not going to be able to do that. So you got to take that into account. And somebody who maybe can do that is this next person who I'm going to let Aaron take because you know, it's his team. Yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Kelly here. He's the rookie running back for the Chargers out of UCLA. Um, You know, all the talk before the year was how much of the workload is Austin Eckler going to get? You know, he's a smaller, more of a scat back guy. Is it going to be Justin Jackson? Is it going to be Josh Kelly? Uh, Justin Jackson, you know, ended up hurting his quad immediately once the season started. That opened it up for Josh Kelly, and he has taken the opportunity, and he has run with it. Uh, Literally, he's taken the football, and he has run with it, you know, down the field. (laughs) against opposing defenses. It's a horrible joke, but I appreciate it. I I just, I had to make it. Um, (laughs) He had 20 carries last week, which man, I mean, Austin Eckler had like a pretty good fantasy week, but Josh Kelly still had 20 carries for around 80 yards. Um, He seems like he's going to be a big factor in this offense. Um, He should be owned in pretty much every 10 and 12 man league, just because he is a legitimate running back option. Who's going to get carries every week. I think they're going to start giving him goal line chances. I like him more in a Justin Herbert offense than a Tyrod Taylor offense, even though unfortunately it seems like Tyrod might be sticking around for a little bit. But yeah, Josh Kelly should be owned. Um, if you're desperate for a running back and Josh Kelly is still out there, you need to find a way to get him for sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And you know that sort of wraps up our, uh, our our little running back segment. If you have a wide receiver problem, there's not going to be a whole lot out there. The good thing is, you, you probably have some some bench guys. I mean, wide receiver is just a deep position in general. But as far as wide receiver goes, you know, Robbie Anderson might be out there in your not-so-deep leagues. Uh, you know, definitely scoop that guy up. But in your deep leagues, I think you're down to basically Keelan Cole and, and Michael Pittman. I mean, what do you what do you think? 
Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. There's not going to be many wide receiver streaming options out there, but you know, a good strategy is always to draft a lot of wide receivers so you can just kind of store them on your bench and wait for them to have the good matchups. Uh, between the two guys you mentioned, Keelan Cole and Michael Pittman, I'm definitely going to lean Michael Pittman. Um, you know, we know Rivers likes to sling it to those big guys. You know, we make the joke all the time, you know, oh, Pittman's out there somewhere. Just throw it up. He'll go catch <laughs> it. Um, you know, Paris Campbell is now out for the year. T.Y. Hilton's off to a slow start. The tight end situation is questionable at best. Um, you know, Michael Pittman looks pretty talented. He seems to have a connection with Philip Rivers. So I do like Michael Pittman over Keelan Cole. I think he's a pretty good uh, waiver ad for a guy that has some upside for the rest of the year. Yeah, and you know, it's worth noting that Michael Pittman, being as big as he is and with the receiving skill that he has, I mean, I would not be surprised if <clears throat> two years from now we look up and this is, you know, an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I I would agree with you that, you know, it's not a great week on the waiver for wide receivers, but it is a pretty interesting week on the waiver for tight ends. Um, you know, if you play in an eight man league, you probably don't need a tight end just because you know, there are 10, you know, 10 to 12 really solid tight ends that are healthy right now and probably rostered. But if you're in a deeper league or like a tight end premium league and you are looking for some sneaky tight ends on the waiver wire, oh man, do we have sneaky tight ends for you, don't we, Ben? Oh, we have so many sneaky tight ends. So let's say that you're in a 12, 14, 16 man league. In your deep leagues, you've got Drew Sample to choose from. Uh, who just emerged out of nowhere when CJ Uzoma got hurt, who, you know, also emerged out of nowhere, basically. And that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just, that was weird. It's the Bengals. But, Everyone comes from nowhere. <laughs> but, you know, Joe Burrow really likes checking down to those tight ends. And, and Drew Sample got, got nine targets last week. And combined with Uzoma, they've got, you know, 15 targets between them before Uzoma, unfortunately, you know, ended his season right there. But, I mean, Drew Sample, I, I think this guy might be a league winner. Yeah, no. I mean, you you casually said Joe Burrow likes to throw to his tight ends. I mean, Joe Burrow loves to check down to his <laughs> tight ends. Um, there is no doubt about it. Um, another guy that could be sneaky is going to be Dalton Schultz. Uh, he is the Blake Jarwin replacement for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you might have missed out on the massive Dalton Schultz week. I mean, he put up nine catches for like 80 yards and a touchdown. You might not get that again, but I mean, if you can lock in like six or seven catches a week from a tight end, you know, and you need a sleeper, Dalton Schultz is going to be a very good option on a very high scoring offense in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Aaron and I were both, were both really in on Blake Jarwin to start the year. And we weren't really in on Blake Jarwin because he's Blake Jarwin. We're in, we, I mean, it was a little bit of that, but. A lot of it was also, you know, Cowboys tight end because the offense is going to be very <clears throat> high octane and, you know, there's a lot of targets to be spread around with the departure of, of Randall Cobb and and the tight end is basically bound to get some of those and and, J- and Jason Witten. But so now Dalton Schultz should be the, the beneficiary of all those and, and he should, you know, provide fairly consistent five, six catches a week for you if, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, uh, definitely. We've got Mo Ali Cox here, who just put up like the best tight end week in like the last ten years. Uh, didn't see that one coming. That was pretty weird. Yeah, Pro Football Focus gave him like a ninety-five grade for his last week's performance, which I mean, you know, and, and it showed up on the fantasy uh, on the on the fantasy stat sheet as well. Uh, Jack Doyle is is hurt, and I think is still hurt. 
So it's Mo Ali Cox's job for now. Uh, it'll be very interesting when Doyle gets back because Mo Ali Cox played extremely well that week. It just hit me like I can't really think of two polar opposite players as far as Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox. I mean that Jack Doyle, his nickname is Baby Hands because he he has really small hands. Mo Ali Cox, he he's like a two like seven foot monster <laughs> out there running these routes. So, you know, he was a basketball player at VCU. He's just out there dunking on people, like going up and catching these balls in traffic, running over people. He's basically just the complete anti-Jack Doyle. It's funny that they, you know, share the same tight end room, but yeah, I mean, if Jack Doyle is going to be injured, Mo Ali Cox is definitely going to get a lot of looks from Phillip Rivers here. Yeah, and I will say, you know, both Aaron and I rolled out Tyler Eifert at this last week, and he he caught a touchdown. He only had three catches, but you know, the the Jaguars' offense so far, I'm I'm not out on it. You know, I mean, they've convinced me so far, and so I think somebody like Tyler Eifert in really deep leagues, if you're struggling, need a tight end, don't want to spend a lot of your a lot of your uh, fab dollars. I think Tyler Eifert is is a, a reasonable sort of insurance policy to take in tight end. Yeah, Tyler Eifert, uh, he's going to have touchdown upside pretty much every single week because they're going to be throwing a lot, and he is a good red zone player. But uh, some other guys we have listed here, uh, I'll let you take some of these other sleepers we've got, or not really sleepers, but just other players, maybe to even target in trades here. Yeah, so let's say you, you know, you're you in a, a 10, 10 man league, maybe a 12 man league where you know your tight end is hurt, or you have Gronk, you you know, you drafted Gronk too early like a dummy, even though, you know, we would have told you not to. But you know, that that's not a that's not a league killing mistake. That's not a team killing mistake. You've definitely got waiver wire options in those leagues, including Jonu Smith, who just absolutely went off last week with with AJ Brown out, as we told you he would. I I, I want to make that clear. We <laughs> we highlighted Jonu Smith and I said I'm rolling him out in every lineup. You've got Logan Thomas, who is just going to catch passes in the Washington offense for sure. And you've got Noah Fant, who is now going to get even more targets with no Cortland Sutton on the field. And he's a big play threat all the time. Yeah, I think definitely Johnny Smith and uh, Noah Fant specifically. You know, if you don't love the tight end on your team, if you just wait for either Johnny Smith or Noah Fant to have one bad week, and you can go swoop in and do a little buy low trade from uh, the person in your league that'll be disappointed, then I think that'll be a good option because those guys are going to be uh, pretty solid tight ends for the rest of the year on their respective teams. Yeah, definitely. I thought, you know, buying low is something that we're going to talk about more, you know, in the weeks to come on this podcast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is a well-rounded fantasy podcast. We're going to talk about trades, <laughs> waiver wire, DFS. Uh, we're going to do it all for our listeners out there. Um, and now we got to talk at least a little bit of betting. Uh, we don't really have much on the Thursday night game because, well, it's the Jaguars and the Dolphins playing Thursday night. Literally anything could happen. I would not be surprised if <laughs> I would not be surprised if this game ended in a tie. I would not be surprised if the Jaguars won by 40. I would not be surprised if, you know, the Dolphins win by 40 and Tua returns two punts for a touchdown. Nothing would surprise me in the Dolphins versus Jaguars Thursday night football game. So, you know, we're kind of going to avoid that one a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not betting on, on the Thursday night football game. But there are always futures to look at. And I know that you 
definitely have some futures that you believe in that you that caught your eye so uh i'm just gonna go i'm gonna hand it off to you and and see what you have to say about that yeah so uh it's always important to be looking at the futures weekly um especially if you're going to listen to this podcast and you're going to win, you know, roughly $216 every week, you're going to want to slowly invest some of that, you know, into the futures market to try to get some long-term payouts. And I think a good thing to invest in right now, um, I would not wait. I would, you know, in, I would finish listening to the podcast, go to iTunes, you know, give us a five-star review, subscribe. And then I would immediately go hammer (laughs) Arizona Cardinals to make the playoffs even money. All they have to do is make the playoffs and you win your bet. The Cardinals are already 2-0 and their next three games are against the Detroit Lions, Carolina Panthers, and the New York Jets. So you're looking at a 5-0, possibly 4-1 start. It's important to mention there's now seven playoff teams from each conference this year. There's a third wildcard spot this year. I think the NFC North is only going to have one playoff team. I think the NFC East is only going to have one playoff team. That leaves a lot of playoff spots for the NFC West and the NFC South. Kyler Murray looks like 100% legitimate. I think he's a good MVP candidate. I really think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs this year, and I would grab that now as opposed to when they're 5-0 and and you know they'll be minus 400 to make the playoffs. They're even money right now. Go grab the Cardinals to make the playoffs. Ben, do you believe in this? Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much I believe in the Cardinals to make the playoffs over some of the other teams but i agree that if you are ever going to make the bet it should be now because they are probably going to be four and one three and two at the at the absolute worst and it will no longer be even money at that point so even at even after next week when they're three and oh it'll probably be down to you know minus 225 so what other teams specifically are you afraid of because you know i talked about the nfc north We've got the Bears are, you know, the Packers are going to make the playoffs. We'll lock in the Packers, obviously. The Bears are 2-0. I think the Cardinals are more legitimate than the Bears. Would you agree with that? I, I, I absolutely. I'm afraid of the entire Cardinals division, to be honest with you. Yeah, so the Cardinals division is pretty scary, but I think three teams are going to make the playoffs out of that division. You know, possibly four. That would be crazy, but... I think three teams out of the NFC West is almost a lock. So then all they have to do is not come in last. I I just it I'm starting to think the 49ers aren't going to be able to make the playoffs, Ben, now that Joey Bosa and Solomon Thomas are out. I just that is that, that it's a good point. <laughs> Joey Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman. You you, you do mean Nick Nick Bosa, by the way. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, yeah. <laughs> Joey Bosa, never. Don't please no. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, I agree. I, I, that's why I'm saying, you know, I think that this bet is good to take now, especially if you are going to take it. I, I don't know what to make of some of the teams in the NFC South, the Buccaneers. I'm not sure the, I'm, I'm not sure if the Rams are really that good, but I do think that there's even with a four and one start, I think there is a world in which the Cardinals finish below the 49ers. Yeah, no, it's possible, but you know, I think even money is just good value right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Give out that one for sure. And then my next one, you talked about the Rams. I am higher on the Rams than you, I guess. They're currently 25-1 to to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a pretty good number. I have not been impressed or like terrified by any team in the NFC so far. Um, We saw the Rams put up a lot of points on both the Cowboys and the Eagles. This team is like a really solid team when healthy. 
Um, they spend money, uh, you know, a lot. They spend a lot of money really aggressively, which means they don't have much depth. But when they're healthy, like they're healthy right now, uh, they're a serious team that needs to be taken, you know, pretty seriously week in, week out. Um, everyone's really low on them, but you know, this team was in the Super Bowl two years ago, and they went nine and seven last year. You know, it's not like they were a four win team last year. I think you know they're have a really good shot to make the playoffs. And when they do make the playoffs, they're certainly not going to be 25 to one. And I think they have an outside shot at, at a first round buy. And, you know, if you get a team with a first round buy, they're going to be around like plus like 800 or 10 to one. I don't hate the idea of grabbing the Rams right now at 25 to one, you know, to win the Super Bowl. If they make it to the Super Bowl, you can just hedge and get a guaranteed profit. So that's kind of my thinking there on the Rams. Yeah, I, I, I understand that for sure. I, 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 I am definitely lower on the Rams than you are. So I, I don't think I would do it myself, but I understand the value proposition for sure. And if 15 weeks from now, they do have that week one buy, you can, you know, post this clip and, and gloat over your, your 15 to one odd increase. 25 to one. Yeah, no, the, that was definitely part of my thinking was how great would this be? You know, Super Bowl week, I can just play this clip from, you know, September. <laughs> that would just be glorious. Uh, you got so anything have, for me here, future-wise, Ben? I, I, I do. I have my eye on the Chiefs' Super Bowl odds. I think that if they scuffle a little more, I mean, if they lose one of these next two games, two of these next two games somehow, if they just – I just want to see their odds improve to plus 500 or better. Because, I, I mean, I had the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl again before the year starts. I still do. And their offense didn't have a tremendous showing against the Chargers. I think that if they, you know, drop a game or drop a, drop two games, I think maybe that these odds could go up pretty significantly. If they go up to plus 500 or better, I would drop some money on them. They're at plus 450 right now. I just, I, I have always thought that the Chiefs are repeating this year. This is the last year with their defense. So, you know, before they can't pay them anymore. So I I am watching that, waiting for that, and waiting to drop some money on that. Yeah, no, the Chiefs are definitely uh, the Chiefs are definitely going to be there at the very end of the season. We know that. And I like the point of how, you know, they've got the Ravens this week on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think I do, you know, just initial lean. I think I do like the Ravens in that game. So, you know, if the Chiefs drop that one, drop to two and one, the odds might move a little bit with people being high on the Ravens. So yeah, wait for the Chiefs. Hopefully they drop a little more and then uh, that's definitely a good bet there. So the other one, and you thought we were going to stick on football. I have I have one other one that I really like and it is the Rays. The Tampa Bay, I almost said Devil Rays. They are not the Devil Rays anymore. The Tampa Bay Rays at plus 750 if we can extend this beyond football. I'll allow it. I, I will allow it. <laughs> Plus 750 is pretty good odds, and I think that this team is the best built team for the current postseason format. Uh, There are no off days in these series, and the Rays have the deepest bullpen of, you know, basically any team. So I think that they're going to be able to utilize this bullpen the way that they want to, as opposed to the way that other teams are going to be forced to by way of having no off days. Teams are not going to want to throw their relievers three days in a row, and the Rays are going to not have to because they have so many elite ones. Next year, when they pull the number one consensus prospect, Wander Franco, up, I might hammer their odds before the year even starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wander Franco is definitely going to be fun to watch next year. 
Uh, the only thing I think with the Rays is, you know, we've seen them in, before in the playoffs. You know, they get to the playoffs and then the offense struggles against elite pitching. You have faith in that offense, you know, against some of the elite arms they're going to see in the American League in the postseason? If they're if they're facing the Yankees, you know, it's going to be Garrett Cole and then Tanaka. I mean, they've shown they can hit Tanaka this, this year. And um, I, I think they can definitely get past the Yankees. And then it's, you know, the first round is just going to be a total crapshoot with with three game series. I mean, it, it could be that all of the teams without very elite pitching make it through. And I think that plus seven fifty on, I, 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 if I was making the odds, I think the Rays would be my favorite to make it out of the American league. Yeah. Well then if you, if you truly believe that, that's definitely great value there at plus seven fifty. Um, that is all the bets we have for you here. Uh, I'm ready to wrap it up. You know, we're going to be back uh, recording Saturday night, another massive football weekend. Uh, Ben, what else do you have to say to the people before we get out of here? Uh, I don't have much. I just, I appreciate the listenership. We, uh, we got a a pretty good reaction from our our first episode. Uh, If you're on Spotify, I appreciate you listening. If you're on iTunes, we would really appreciate, you know, a five-star review. Um, Make sure you follow us on Twitter, interact with us at cash landing pod. you know, we got some some good caches from you guys. Uh, we I, we got a nice direct message from somebody that was like, you know, I'm in the money because of uh, you guys' recommendations. That that one always feels good. So just you know, I I appreciate you all listening, and and we're we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Yep. Good luck. Uh, good luck with the lineups on the baseball slate tomorrow, and we'll be back on Saturday.